it's my golf. You know, when I go paint now, you know, I just look for a nice day, chill, listen to music. That's so music sick. Money, just, you know, I look to it as to, to, to settle myself, to, to kind of center, recenter myself. I fucking, I love that you just said all of that. KillerKellerOfficial.com <laughs> <laughs> 101.4 FM, 24 hours a day, all genres. Flexfm.co.uk Instagram UK Frontline. Beatbox created. Killer Keller. And we need to talk about world music and street culture. Killer Keller Podcast. This, as usual, is the Killer Keller Podcast, transmitting live from a Thursday morning. Big shout out to the mighty Graffiti Kings. Uh, this is the graffiti uh, side of the podcast. And, um, well, I'm taking uh, the uh, quarantine to my advantage and getting the opportunity to hit Zoom all over the world. And I am chuffed to bits to be talking to the man like Sket One from Los Angeles, California. How are you, brother? What's up, man? How's everybody doing out there? Hope everyone's well. What's going on? <laughs> it's, it's fucking great to have you on, man. It's fucking. Thank great you. I appreciate it. I appreciate being asked. I'm seeing all this awesomeness behind you as well. So it's another thing as well. Like we don't do this in the the podcast game. You know, jumping into people's environments. You got some badass pieces behind you there, brother. Yeah, it's all Bodhi, and I know as well as everybody out there knows who Bodhi is and oh my God. What, what has been attributed to us from Bodhi. So um, I've been collecting him since crazy forever. Bro, it's like Basquiat, there's Bodhi. Like, I mean, these, these names are possibly the reason why you have to collect art in the urban world right now. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? The price yes. ain't ever going down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's people out there that, you know, have paved the way for, uh, for me and uh literally got me to the point where i was like wow if they're doing it you could be doing it you know so um the the influence was massive to me see and let me just break this down because you know there's, there's a whole diverse kind of but uh, broad uh number of characters that watch this this uh, graph show um and what i was really excited about getting you on for was Mostly because I remember you from back in the day, around the late 90s, it must have been for me, where I'd see your magazines, you know, predominantly graph and, and you know, the odd clothing uh, thing going on here and there. But it was, it was an American approach to, uh, you know, expanding the idea of what graph and what street art can do. But, bro, you were on the fringes. This was like before it was called street art. You were fucking doing it. And I've just found that, you know, because... It's, it's an interesting conversation to have with you because you were there before that, you know, stigma of it came in and, uh, and it blew up. You know what I mean? Yeah, it definitely did. Um, yeah, I started writing a long time ago. And I, I think the first time I started tagging, I was 15, which would be 1985. And, um, and uh, I, was, I, I was raised in New Haven, Connecticut, um, which is right above New York for the geography people. Um, so um, my parents at the time were divorced. So I was traveling, you know, I would visit my dad in New York city all the time. And there's a uh, commuter train right. that would go from New Haven to New York. And that was my main wake up to graffiti. And then so, uh, so you just saw it. You, you said this was just the mate. You, you were just getting it firsthand. Yeah. That at that particular time, you know, I mean, I always think I was blessed to be grown up in that time because you had punk popping off, you know, you had skateboarding and BMX popping off. You had uh, you know, hip hop popping off, break dancing, just everything. It was just all being dropped on you at once. Plus MTV was, you know, pretty influential at the time. And, oh, yeah. uh, and uh, you know, I just soaked all that stuff up, you know, just, yeah. just everything. And, uh, you know, when hip hop came around, I got into everything. I was, you know, the only thing I didn't do was MC. Um, but I was, a, you know, I was DJing at the time. Um, uh -huh. I was already drawing and then graffiti just came like as the natural path that I would go on just because I was already like drawing and stuff like that. It's so, crazy the way that the path, I mean, even now when, 
when you consider where graph is and and a lot of other street disciplines you know there, there is like you say back in those days there was a whole heap of inspiration and influences dumped on you from a great height of visually seeing stuff and sonically hearing things and and technology coming in with its first wave of what turned into that you know that the golden era of hip-hop you know and that still resonates now on a, on a bunch of levels that just it it's in the dna of everything that's coming out now even now right yeah it's um like uh like it was crazy growing up and like so close to new york because you know everything was focused there as far as hip-hop you know everyone was looking to new york and you know taking the train in so when you would come from connecticut you know, the first you would hit Woodlawn and then right after that you would end up going under 238th Street, which is like a famous bridge. And the Bronx Riders, the famous Bronx Riders would just have that place lit up. You can know, I ask then, you, can I ask you while we're on that subject? So did your train, you coming in from Connecticut, did that, was, 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 your, uh, was your train going straight into, from that way into to New York? Yeah, we're only about an hour and a half north of New York. Wow. Wow. Whoa, that's crazy. Tell me what was it like to see the trains and everything getting done the way it was back, like as a kid back then? It's just overwhelming. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you sit there and if you do it, you know, I grew up doing it mostly, you know, back alleys, walls, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did get to some trains later in, you know, the 90s. But, um, uh, you know, you would just see these, you know, even if it was just, you know, throw ups and yeah. Whatever it may be, it was still overwhelming because you were just like, how'd they get it done? Yeah, yeah. You know? How, how is it done? <laughs> what the fuck is that done? You know, like, like, like um, I've been, you know, blessed with uh, being friends with uh, Richie Scene and talking to Scene about some of the some productions he's worked on and the things that he's, you know, Get done. out of here. Stop it now. <laughs> just and stop. I, <laughs> it's I just, too much no, for me. When you hear the stories... You know, you're just like, fuck, how? How? <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, because they're just so big, man. I mean, people, you, yeah. and what you forget at a time, which is something I've learned from doing these podcasts. By the way, I'm a fan. I'm not a writer myself. You know, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just clued up like a geek would be, and I'd speak for geeks, you know what I mean? But like, truth be known, is back then when you were to see something like that, you'd know full world. I haven't got the paint or the cans like they have now. Like, this was something that was, their name was bigger than the, persona it's just like this huge thing and and even the thought of doing it on a with a can is just unthinkable it was not, that the, not even like the scaling like yeah. you only had a you know a four foot maybe all right let's say six foot spread between trains you know you couldn't back up and check out your piece and make sure everything was proportioned and you know everything was going correct you know it's crazy there's technical stuff that i just sit there and i'm just like how how is that possible you know, and then what there's the theory behind that. Do you think how do because there is that there's a small width of back in, especially back in the days with those depots and being like New York the way it was. How did you get your perspective? I think it was like kind of like when people, you know, they map out a drawing and they just, you know, they know measurements and stuff like that. Like, you know, this has to this particular part has to fit between the door and, you know, the windows. And they use those things as guides and stuff like that. That's the only thing I could guess. <laughs> crazy, crazy. But uh, yeah, much respect for everybody back then. Everybody, trailblazers, hands yep. down, absolutely. Trailblazers. Still, still revered, and that's what I love about Graff as well. Is like, you know, the the the, the, the names stick. It's like jazz. People remember the names of the, the, the players. You know, it's the same with Graff. Yeah. Definitely. So I grew up in that era with the whole, you know. Uh, subway art and style wars and spray can art and mm -hmm. you know having all that exposure and that being those being my bibles and my go-tos to like uh, learn history and stuff like that mm -hmm. i don't think that's as prevalent as today as it used to be i feel like the whole mentoring and uh history and the whole understanding style and um yeah. You know, the deep dish stuff, I don't think that's around as much as it was back in the day. Yeah, that's right. I, I would argue that that's the case with a lot of modern music now. Um, not that there's a, not that there's anything wrong with that. I think things progress. But I know what you mean. If you're, I don't know, I'll, when I was coming up, 
I knew what was relevant and cool, but I, I just had a, I had a thing about needing to go to the past. I wanted to make sure that I was covering all bases so my peers and, and no one could slip me up on anything with beatboxing. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. it's good to know. It's, it's, it's good to be knowledgeable, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. good to have that fact that who came before you and, and who, you know, who paved the way for you just yeah, so you for real. say like, you know, okay, I, I respect these people. You know, they brought it to the forefront. They were the ones who did all the fighting, you yeah. know, for me, those, you know, now that we got all the caps and the paint and, you know, basically anything you possibly need in the way of supplies. Oh my God. You said they're fighting. They fought. They were, they were, they were, weren't they? They, yeah, they really yeah, threw the gauntlet. Those people scoped out for caps. They would get them off of oven cleaners and, you know, all these other different cleaners to get the right cap for the right job. And, Mm. You know, all that research and development <laughs> that was yeah, done yeah. hard you know it was done like yeah. happening so yeah i give props to all those yeah people. man for real so so you were in this time where it was just you were just a sponge to this and being the age you were like when when did you first like um when did you first like start getting on the tracks yourself and 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 you know track sides and hitting wall of, like hall of fames and stuff like when was that most prevalent for you? I would say after I got out of uh, high school, I ended up going up to uh, Boston, uh, Boston Museum School of Fine Arts. Big up Boston crew. I I was with a bunch of other like writers up there. Uh, At that particular time, let's see, there was people like uh, Eros and Honor and Essay and Target and I mean, I can go on for days. KR was there at that particular time, Rise. But all these guys were, at the time, you know, Boston was super active. T's were getting hit, which is the transit system there. Um, Canes were getting hit. So I would say that particular time is when it really started to ramp up. Like, I would start to, you know, missions all the time. And then when I got back from there, I ended up... uh, when I got back from there and ended up in New Haven, that's when we started hitting the whole Metro North line, which is that railway that goes from New Haven to New York. Whoa. So you, you basically wanted passage entry for out, out of one, one end of the country straight to <laughs> one city to the next. Right. <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, that's when like, I would say probably the nineties is when like freight, the freight, the whole freight movement kind of started up and, People started hitting freight trains over here and commuter trains and stuff. And the subways just got to a point where, you know, if you went to New York to paint a subway, it was just impenetrable, you know. Really? So it almost became like, well, this it's a relegation thing where this is this is the way to do it. And because I remember, I remember uh, freights became a. I, I remember watching Cope Cope Two's GTV and a couple of other ones. I used to hang out at my mates' houses and stuff. And, <laughs> That's a lot funny. of freights going down in those videos. Really you know? with, uh, Dooley, who produced GTV. Really I good friend. I fucking used to love that shit. I loved it. Yeah. It's a great video series, man. Great video series. Dooley is from New Haven, Connecticut, and he writes Brat. And uh, right. we were basically in the same crews together and stuff like that. But Dooley, Dooley-O is, he's, he's uh, big over there with you guys. Yeah. He's me, he comes over there on tour and stuff like that. So, Dude. I, now this is ringing bells because there was always Connecticut crews in them videos. Yeah, definitely. Now I mean, it's all making sense. Now I got it. Okay, this is it. Wicked. Yeah. So, so there's mad. I mean, there's mad people who Connecticut in the '90s actually. A lot of people started painting there. I mean, you know, we have a lot of people that are from Connecticut mm. that are pretty popular writers, like you met, and. Uh, um, sub and uh, who else used to like come up to Connecticut? I know Cycle was always around. Really? These are all these are all like IMOC, my IMOC crew. Wow! It became a time in Connecticut where there was a couple legal spots where people would paint on the regular, mm. and uh, you know, um, you know, cause is so big now. It was weird, you know, because he was just just another graffiti writer. Yeah. 
<laughs> and know? then all of a sudden he's just like this whole he's a juggernaut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's I mean it's great to see somebody you know go from this level up to that level because then it's like wow, you know, yeah. we can do that too. Yeah, it gives you oh, hope, right? That's the, yeah. that's the yeah, yeah, you've got to have a a, a, a uh, flame holder. You it's just and all it takes is one torch and it sets the whole fucking world as he has. He, he, he's burnt, cooked it and ate it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. So, so this, the, I mean, this sounds to me like, well, like what you, you know, you're collecting your stripes. You know what I mean? This is, so at what point were you, were you like, yo, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give this thing a shot because there, um, there must have been like a, a new wave that came came in and it must have just fell right at the time when your creative creativity was at a particular point. Because even when I see your pieces now, like some of your production work, it's just like it's so like ahead of itself. Do you know what I mean? Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I feel like I feel like probably in the 90s when I was trying to find out like where I wanted to go as far as a career. Mm. Uh, is when I realized, like, okay, you have this talent. How how can you make money from this talent? Because I know nobody was going to pay me to paint. So, mm. but they did. You know, I ended up going into uh, sign and like the sign business right. and hand lettering and stuff like that, and learning that whole process and neon signs and just basically getting a job, which taught me a skill. You know, I came and I could draw, so I could draw patterns and stuff like that for, you know, the installation guys that, you know, installed these signs. And then from that, just at that particular time, that's when the sign industry went from uh, everything being hand done to computers. What, so what, 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 sorry, I think I missed a date. What date was that when you got into that? I would say that was 94. Yeah. When, when I, when I, when I started. Um, yeah. And all my creative attention kind of disappeared from graph and went into computers. Right. Like I, I wanted to, it was like a new tool, you know, it was like, Oh, here's this tool. Yeah. 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 Make it work for you. You know what I, I mean? That was really hard as well. Cause like Apple Macs back then they were, cl- I remember, I remember my friend getting one for the first time ever. That shit was just a mess. <laughs> yes. yes, it was. Yeah. I remember like I learned, I think I learned on Corel Draw Two. That's the one. <laughs> that was like the first like kind of Illustrator program that I started to learn on. Uh-huh. Stuff. And then once I learned, you know, the basics of that, I started to like that was you know my mind just opened up. I was like, mm-hmm. I could do so much with this, yeah. you know. And then I got into like you know, and then I started you know I had this job, so I started you know doing clothing on the side. And then everything yeah. started building up and everything was going good. And then, you know, life came in and I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. All right. <laughs> yeah. So once I had kids, it was like, you know, I still did everything at night, but I was more for, focused on, you know, taking care of the family. And yeah, moving forward for sure. And but, this is uh, kind of where I come into the play because I, I remember seeing your name in, in different magazines uh, imported and UK, you know, like it, it was clear yeah, that there was that transition at the time, right? Yeah. So like, so it was, I would say, so I would say everything kind of became inactive for me from I'll say 95 to 2000, five years. I probably took a break. Right. But, by 2000, I came back and I came back strong. Like I just came back and I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta come back at it on all, all fronts. Uh-huh. All fronts. And uh, when I got back to painting, um, I had an opportunity to link up with uh, Mark Bodie. What? He was He's in Frisco, up- right? He's in San Francisco, right? Uh, now he's in like around Sacramento, but at the time he was living in, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, right. So I linked up with him and we had this spot in Connecticut called, um, uh, I forgot it. I want to say that it was like, uh, 
it was like a hall of fame, but it really wasn't. It was just a spot in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which right. was an old factory that was knocked down. But the only thing left was the foundation of the building. And it's yeah. still there today. But this became a legal spot in Connecticut to paint. So me, I got talked to, I got to talking to Mark and I wanted to have an event to honor Vaughn Bodie. And it was the first Bodie jam. And we would basically make it first come first serve. Everyone would have the same background color and we would just do wow. pieces with Bodie characters. That's insane. And That's that was insane. That was covered in graphitism. Graphitism was like, I had a really great relationship with graphitism. Whole type graphitism all day. Like, never mind Britain. That was an internationally driven magazine oh, that didn't exist anywhere else. Definitely. And it was quality. It wasn't even like a magazine. You know, that was like, it was a, a good book. book when you got it. Yeah. So they, they killed it. They always they killed it. It's actually, it's very, it's very sad that it's not around, you know, even if it was like quarterly for a year, which is, you know, back to where it was, it was just so sick, wasn't it? Oh, it was awesome. I mean, uh, before the internet, I mean, those magazines, I mean, I have a stack of them still, you know, saved up. But when you look through them and just to think how amazing that was, because they were put together by writers and they were, yeah. you know, collected and everything was just done by writers. Awesome. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's poetic, isn't it? I love it. Love it. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, after the Bodhi Jam, you know, I mean, we had people, tons of New York writers. We had tons of people from Rhode Island, tons of people from Massachusetts would come down. It would just be, you know, one day. I remember the first one we had, I remember uh, Henry Chaflant came. He came. Uh-huh. He uh, was taking pictures and, uh, you know, like there were so many crews there that like I looked up to as a writer growing up, like he was there, like Dash and Wayne and just all these New York writers. Too much for me, man. My head just had been gone. (laughs) I was just like, I was just like, look at this one subject that has meant so much to us that it brings out all these writers, you know, Mm. and, uh, and we, we did it for about four or five years um, until they shut down that particular spot. But um, it was always a good time. It was always. Wow. Yeah, man. Sp- I mean, I, where to go from here? That's insane. So, yeah, sorry. So when you, when you, when you break down your, your, uh, your path, you were clearly like in the right circles of people. Like, but, but to like the average person, you know, like, the Mies, for instance, and other write, writers of that time, I, that just didn't seem, that doesn't seem quite accessible. Like, what was your, what was your calling card? What did you have as a calling card that was just like, yo, I do that? Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I think it's, 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 it's amazing. And it, uh, your work. I, I, would say, I would say it was just my, my, my drive, my passion, and my, my bank of skills that I had. Yeah. You know, like I, I would run into a lot, of, a lot of writers and they would just write, you know, they were just graffiti artists yeah. and, and they were content with that. You know, I don't think I was ever content with just being a graffiti artist. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to, you know, expand and push what my skills can do or what I can personally do or what I can accomplish. So it was more of a, like a drive or a passion, you know, and, I just ended up, you know, getting involved in anything I possibly could that would challenge me, you know, bring me to it. Like the way I ended up in toys is, you know, and doing and designing and creating, you know, vinyl toys was all because of being around people who wanted to do the same thing as me or wanted to create yeah, and, and getting involved, you know, and just was pushing it, was the it, Was there anything ever that, you were like, you know, because you talk about, you know, pushing yourself and whatnot. Because the toys, I, I would imagine at the time when they first ever, you know, Kid Robot and things were, were starting to flourish, that was that probably would have been quite an obstacle. <laughs> Never mind the Apple Max of the 90s, you know what I mean? But, <laughs> but has anything really ever, like, really pushed you to the point of, damn, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, if not, I don't know if I can put, at that time anyway, graph 
onto this medium? No. No, not at all. I was like, <laughs> I, 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 like, so like with the whole toy thing is, is that when I first stumbled across toys, it wasn't even, it didn't even have to do with like, like, um, it didn't come from graffiti. It came from, you know, just, you know, being on the internet and collecting, collecting other things. Yeah. And then I came across Michael Lau and what he did over in Japan and read about it and read about him and how he was creating toys from his characters, his art. And I was like, oh, that'd be tight, you know? Tight as fuck, yeah. Like, that would be dope. And then it was funny. I went to Mark Bodie was having a show in New York. And I went into the show to, you know, support him and say hello and catch up with him. I had, um, and I was there and I brought, he said, you know what, bring some stuff with you because I'm meeting with Kid Robot because they were doing his first toy, the Cheech Wizard toy. That was Kid Robot's first toy. Damn. So I was like, all right, dope, dope. And um, at the show, I met Tristan Eaton, um, who, you know, created, basically was the creative force behind Kid Robot. And now he's the creative force behind his empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Tristan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tristan was super young. He was super young and he was super cool. And we got to talking and, uh, you know, he was like, uh, you know, do you have skills as an illustrator? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you do graffiti? And I was like, yeah, I got some stuff right here. He was like, dope. And he just handed me a, a CD with templates on it. He was like, design some toys here. He's like, Damn. and that was it. Just like that. Wow. Just, you know, just like that. And, you know, I had no idea that it was going to send me on this whole another life path. You know what I mean? With designing yeah. stuff. Um, I just thought it was cool. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll fuck around with it. I'll do it. Crazy. You know? And, uh, and that's how it all came. But now it's, you know, it's like anything else at that time, it was definitely more difficult to get your foot in and, and get a chance to design something. I mean, now it's, totally accessible you yeah. know um, i feel like people have you know the skill level to do it you got 3d printers that can just you know people can print stuff at will you know it's yeah. affordable um you have youtube you can go on there and learn about mold making and you know pulling stuff yourself and making your own resin figures and and you don't need a company to actually make this happen anymore you know because yeah. the the knowledge and the skill set is out there for anyone to grab. You just have to, you know, find the time to invest in it if you really, really want to get into it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's it's almost a snooze you lose. Like because the competition now is is actually it's it turns into yourself. You're that you're your own competition because you can do anything. It's just do you have the time and the patience, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, yeah, it comes down to it. You know. I mean, we all have projects that we start and then we stop and we're just like, they'll sit there, you know, and collect dust. And then, you know, we have projects that we see from start to finish and beyond, you know, it's, it's just getting yourself together and, and pushing yourself. You know, for me, it was just, I knew graffiti was graffiti and I love graffiti. It's the basis of everything I do creatively. Mm. It's where I came from. It's that one art that it's my golf. You know, when I go paint now, you know, I just look for a nice day, chill, listen to music. That's so sick. Just, it's, it's my Sunday. It's, it's my church. It's my, you know, I don't look to it to go burn people. I don't look to it to like, you know, get my name up everywhere anymore. I don't look to it to like, you know, feed my ego. I look to it as to, to, to settle myself, to, to kind of center, recenter myself. I fucking, I love that you just said all of that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it's true. It's like, you know, graffiti has these different stages in my life where it meant different things to me. But now where I'm at with it is where I always wanted to be with it, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. painting and enjoying and, and not worrying or not focusing on, you know, catching fame from this piece or or or, you know, I'm going to do better than this dude, or I'm going to create this, you know, just so I can get this locked down or, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's a natural, peaceful situation now. You know, I was going to say peace of mind. That's certainly the case. But um, with with age comes wisdom, I guess. Right, and this is like a moment in time that you were probably waiting to get or wanted to get to, and now you're at it. Here's what I think, because when you when you're dealing with a a, 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 a hip hop discipline you know because no matter how people decorate it and what the flavor of the month is that the, the parameters are hip-hop like with with these things if you grow up in in that world with the athleticism and sensibilities and you get given all the cool that you get the parameters you get the sheet that has the box to, and all you got to do is keep on developing and honing your skill after a while you're you're you hit the ceiling with the skills and you have it all in one big box and then it just becomes, you've got all the tools there and it becomes a hell of a lot easier just to be creative, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah. Then, and then once it got to like the toy thing, um, I still painted. I haven't stopped painting. Um, I don't paint as much as I do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try to get out as much as possible. But, uh, you know, we you know, we got, we got to make money. We got to survive and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. uh, you know, the whole toy thing I kept up, but I was happy to finally get to a point where, you know, like anything else, there's trends and there's these things that, you know, go on in industries and stuff like that. And then everybody kind of gets back to the root of the industry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, with, you know, my latest release, uh, with super plastic, we ended up doing these Krylon cans. I don't know if you've seen them. I've seen them. They're fucking sick, man. Like yeah. just ahead of it. It just you know, it's to to see that. <laughs> it's just a it's just an awesome play on a, a. It's just a great idea, isn't it? You know, it's just you know this is where it it, it really when you look at the roots of the designer vinyl, mm. you know, um, culture. And it goes back to Japan. Um, the designers that actually came out first, they were always grabbing from hip hop and hip hop culture. And like 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 Beast of Honey, man. I remember it. They, they, early doors, they were just they loved the whole yeah, the, the culture of it, didn't they? Yep. There's like Tim Sue was doing like boombox characters and and uh characters with you know the Bronx in it and stuff yeah. like that. It was just everything was being focused on hip hop and um, it was great, you know, and then of course it progressed and moved into different realms where we brought in different artists and different styles of illustration, which is, I love it and all, you know, but the reason why I got into it was purely because of, you know, you know, graffiti and and hip hop and creating characters and, you know, having these characters you know, come to life, you know, characters yeah. that on the wall actually, you know, come in three dimensional format. Well, which like, is amazing. Did it ever become a bit of a parody in itself? Did you ever think to yourself, oh, actually, this is, this might be taking it too far or was that never a question in your head? No, I saw it as progression. You know, a lot of people, I mean, if you think about it at the time, there were so many things going on in the nineties, you know, in the early nineties, I mean, have like, you had the whole rave scene that was pretty big on parody. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, true. in that going on. And um, you know, jungle was going on at the same time. And I think about that like that whole time period and stuff like that. And um, you know, I think the whole parody thing kind of extended itself to some of the hip hop stuff. But for me, I don't know, I don't I don't think like People are like, oh, you're doing toys or you're sellout or you're this or that. I don't know. I just never saw it like that. I just saw it as a different form of expression, you know? Oh, yeah, no, totally. I, 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 and, and, and for reference, I, I, I feel the same way. It's, you know, it's, it's very easy to go to dismiss something based on the premise that it, it's almost got its own life now. It's not, it's not even graphic. It's just its own entity, isn't it? What's the, what's the, what's the price on, a, on an average, on an average uh, kid robot piece now? Now, I would say probably anywhere from like, I mean, it all depends on size, you know, yeah. but if you get like a little three inch, they can go for like 10 bucks now, you know, like the little blind box ones. 
Um, you know, the bigger figures have always been anywhere from like 60 to a hundred bucks. Right. Right. Um, Shit. You know, the stuff that I do, the resin sculpture stuff that I do. Yeah. That stuff, you know, I sell like a canvas because it's all produced in numbers that are like 25 for the world. Yeah, for real. You know, maybe 30 for the world, you know, the resin stuff. Plus you get a very high end look. Like when you hold a piece in your hand, it weighs about, you know, two or three pounds. There's, there's some, yeah. some weight to it. And, and the effects that you get with resin versus say a vinyl yeah. toy is it's totally different. It's, it's far more the art side of things rather than a production piece that's, you know, made of vinyl. Yeah. I would say there's like a, there is a there is a psychological thing to it, isn't it? With everything like this, like like you say, the resin being a heavier consistency, it's a lot more weighted, and you know the packaging of these things. Like this is you know everything's thought through from one to ten, isn't it? Yeah, I've always said that everything around us is designed. Every absolute object that you can look at has been designed by somebody. Somebody has sat there and thought about okay. If I put this down, it has to stand correctly. If I put this up, oh every, you're talking from a fork to a piece of toilet paper to whatever you want. Dude, it's, I've never ever thought about that in my life. I've just, my head's just been blown. <laughs> it's so true. It's been designed. Everything that you wear, somebody has had to design it and thought about you in yeah. the end. So, you know, these, these are the same way. These, these toys, I, I, I don't like to call them toys, but that's how we always refer to them. Yeah. You know, that's how they are. That's what we did with this last one. You know, you know, when we were designing this, you know, I was sending pictures of Krylon cans to make sure that this particular, everything was in proportion. Like the way the, the old school Krylon cans from back that's in the day created, huh. you know, so, so yeah. You know, we What's the most expensive? What is the most expensive one that's ever been sold? Do you know? No. I'm sure it would be a cause piece. It would have to be, wouldn't it? Yeah, I, w I would think, I'm sure, I think I saw a five-foot cause, you know, one of the big ones, uh, yeah. one of the companions. I saw that auctioned off at um, Christie's last year, and I think it went for a lot of money, like a ridiculous amount. Man. But I would have to say it would have to be one of his pieces. He's probably, yeah. but there's stuff now that uh, there's stuff now that's kind of crossing that particular barrier. It's getting to the point where, you know, it, it is looked at as a piece of art, you know? Yeah. I, th I think, yeah, I, no, I would, I would totally agree. Totally. The stuff that I do in resin. And I mean, I'm even doing some stuff with um, a partner and he's working with uh, Savosky crystals, you know, and, yeah. and that particular, that's a whole nother collector base. Like, you know, you got people out there that collect these kind of, you know, high end objects and they're being brought over to our world. So I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's this whole particular thing has kind of grew into its own massive culture. Yeah. For real. Over the um, what's the what's the catalyst for that? I mean, you know, the, the, there's the cosine of the music world. You know, you, Drake inspired, like, oh yeah, well he likes it, so we like it, kind of thing. And, and I think that works for viral, you know, memes and cat gifs and shit. But like with the art world, there is this impenetrable barrier that is like the higher echelon of buyers and the, uh, you know. Is it a case that if, because I know you've done stuff with Pharrell being a part of um, of, of the um, auction and exhibition of these events, like it, does his cosign go a long way? Is that how Cause gets hit, gets the reputability to like sell for these numbers? Is is it that kind of route to market? It sure doesn't help. Like it doesn't hurt you, you know, to have those connections. You know, <laughs> it definitely does not hurt. But um, it's not. I mean, it's not needed. You know, I've seen, like, I've seen Tristan absolutely excel in his artwork. And he, he's always been, like, one of those people I've looked up to, to, to the way he brands himself and the way he puts mm -hmm. himself out 
there and the clients that he works with and the, the decisions he makes for his art and for what he creates. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, good decision-making, you know, being able to create freely and mm-hmm. having, you know, having uh, the support behind you. Uh, but it definitely doesn't hurt. You know, I mean, I've had some people collect my work that, you know, um, you know, Ghostface has done a couple shout outs for me Fine. and like, you know, stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, Whoopi Goldberg bought a piece of mine and, you know, well-known people, it always helps, but at the same, it, it, it you know, it doesn't drive your work. I always see cause just gets, you know, he has incredible clients, you know, he's yeah. gotten designed for just huge, huge clients. And, and you do that. Yeah, man. You know, I had a theory on this because it really does come down to the cottage industry, like how you handle yourself with your immediate fans. And I'm a big believer of like core fan base, you know, and just, just nurturing people that think the same way you do. If I, if you really take Banksy being an example, there's tons, you know, but if you really break down his 13 to 30 million followers on Instagram, what really comes down to is there's probably like seven rich Russian billionaires in there and they'll buy anything <laughs> that they take and get off of him. Do you know what I mean? And that's all that really matters, right? Yeah, I mean, resale value is always, you know, a big thing. Um, I know a lot of people like, um, you know, it's almost like your stock price. Yeah. Your personal stock price, um, how, how much you're wanted by the public or how much demand there is for your particular product and stuff like yeah. that. Um, for me, in the end of the day, as long as I get to have fun and do what I do, um, I'm pretty much happy, man. You know, yeah. I mean, if, 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 the, if the come out was to be this huge person and stuff like that, I mean, I got to think, Brian, cause like, I got to think it's, it's, it's got to be somewhat uh, brutal, you know, to have that weight on your shoulders. Yeah, 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 totally. Okay. You know what I mean? I, I, don't, I don't think it's a walk in the park and, you know, mm. he's just sitting there like, oh, okay, this is all well and good, you know? Yeah. I'm sure it's gotten to the point where, you know, it's, it's, it's bigger than him, you know? For real, he's underneath people above them <laughs> yeah, yeah i agree i i, I spoke to, I, I had todd terry in over uh, over end of tail end of last year and he said the same thing it was interesting he, he said can you imagine being like a, a simon cowell of the world and having that kind of millions under over your head just your life you just wouldn't have one you just be on the phone you know three in the morning <laughs> you know what i mean yeah i mean there's some things i would not want to give up you know mm. I mean, it's it's nice to have some peace. It's nice to be able to walk around and have nobody notice you and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I'm good with that. You know what I mean? I'm good with that. But, uh, you know, I've also been around people, you know, that have, you know, that have that. I remember one time I was having, we were in downtown LA and I was having dinner with uh, Richie and his wife, Scene. Crazy. And uh, somebody came in off the street. They recognized Scene. Off, no you know, way. through the window and came in off the street and here we are eating dinner and asked him to sign something. And I was just like, I was like, wow, that's, that's, that was the first time I've ever seen a graffiti person, mm. you know, get, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and, you know, get asked for an autograph. So I thought that was like, just odd. I was like, wow, it kind of really woke me up to like, wow, he really is like world famous and like, yeah people know this guy. Yeah. And I think, like, I, I think back to some of the chats and interviews that I've seen was seen, seen was seen like mm-hmm. it's weird because it, for graffiti, the graffiti world, that's, that is the opposite effect that you kind of want, but, but it actually right. turns into the thing that, and, and I, I always feel like the more, the more he distances himself from that, that whole thing and the hip hop thing, it's like the more people want it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so funny. I always said, people always used to say to me, like, like, um, you know, you know, the whole selling out thing or selling products and stuff like that, or, or going that route of designing, you know, t-shirts or clothing or toys, whatever it may be, mm. whatever you end up doing. They always used to say, like, um, you know, isn't that the ultimate, you know, getting up, you know, to get yourself distributed worldwide, you know? Yeah. I mean, graffiti writers were probably, I mean, 
graffiti is the first branding or advertising probably ever created. For you real. Know? <laughs> you know, you think back to when it all started and people drawing and leaving art in random places and what that art spoke. Mm. So, you know, it's kind of funny that it's gotten to the point, you know, where you'll see advertisements on trains, you know? Yeah. You know, like the whole outside of the train. I remember a couple of years ago, they did Mirakami and they did a bunch of people on the New York subways. They just covered the subways with, you know, these advertisements. And I used to just, I was like, I was like, why don't they just get the writers to do that? Like, mm. you know, why don't they give it back to the writers? Because those are the Jesus. people that got it. It's so contradict that the world is so contradictory to these um, rules that they, they, implement and you know there's marketing people up there in the big big high-rise buildings that are calling all the shots that climbed a ladder that that was loosely built on graffiti do you know what i mean oh definitely 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 they're still doing it they're like i think about like i've been in i do a lot of marketing Hmm. Um, i've been doing marketing for like the last 20 years and I can't tell you how many times somebody has brought something to the table and said, can we do something like this? And I'll actually know the artist that they're showing me. I'll be like, why don't you just hire that guy? Why are we going to copy what he does? Why don't you just give the job to this dude? Yeah, you know, yeah, totally. like, why are you doing that? You know, and you can see it all over the place, you know, people borrowing and, and, yeah. you know, chomping. My biggest up. pet hate, man. That's my biggest pet hate. Yeah, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. But, I mean, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? What you do is call it out, you know? You just call it out. But in the end, I don't know. Is it worth the aggravation? Yeah, you I know? know what you mean. It, 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 it's But then people's narratives change because they've it's been manufactured to be like that. And I just feel like, okay, you can be like the grumpy old man or the the grump, the the, the, the miser that complains about how your shit was ripped off but then you so like my mate harry said it's like then you got grandmaster kaz that was blatantly shouting for ages those are my rhymes and before you know it oh yeah everyone then admits yeah they were his rhymes do you know what i mean like yeah it's just yeah, I mean, a shame. It, it, it is a shame like when 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 that was all realized by me i was like man he's even saying his name <laughs> like yeah. how can you not prove like <laughs> how can you not <laughs> yeah man so i i you know I, i'm i'm all for that bro i think i think it I, and then this is what this podcast is ultimately about bro like you know i, I want to document the while people are still alive and while stories can be told and if it's contradictory then people can speak up but i just think it's really important that there's voices and you know what i mean yeah definitely definitely got to be some record as to what really happened yeah you know? exactly and without question, without question, like you are one of the forerunners of the vinyl, the toy, the, the manufacturing of graph on toys and the, the street art that became of it. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I want to thank you for that and for coming uh, on, man, for, for real. I appreciate it. No, I really appreciate it. I'm just glad to be doing what I still do. And, you know, uh, still paintings, still thankful that I actually get to create art for a living. And uh, um, thankful for everything and grateful for everything it's brought to me, you know, through travel or through whatever I have, you know. Um, Like I said before, when we were talking about, like, growing up in the um, late 80s and 90s, you know, I'm just thankful to be born at this particular time. For real. You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because I was around a lot of stuff. I still, you know, even in the, like, not a lot of things have really kind of like directed a whole generation like the things of that particular era mm. you know i think about just just music alone just think about music alone and everything that's come out from the 80s to like even the end of the 90s let's just yeah. say it i mean not to sound grumpy old man but it's pretty shit right now but i mean there's still good stuff but yeah and and uh, you know the the the, the very small fine lines that are left to allow for younger people to 
fill holes in people's record collections. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's already a, you know, stairway to heaven. There's already a, um, you know, God save the queen. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's We Will Rock You and there's all this hip hop and like Bomb Squad really done the justice on production in my opinion. But like, <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things I think they find art and music work parallel in that they, they with the smallest of confinements comes this opportunity to be super creative. And I think we're in that place right now, you know, across the board, it's the technology is allowing things that have never ever been done before. And that's just, absolutely mind-bending you know what i mean yeah it is it absolutely like like i said before you don't need you know you don't need a company to fund a project anymore i mean you can really if you want to design a toy you can really do it honestly you could do it in less than a month and you you know you could have a whole run of toys you could design your packaging yourself and it could be done for a, a fairly reasonable amount of money you know not nothing that would totally bring break your bank you know for real for real so get on it people get your comments <laughs> down any questions just get i'm sure you're going to be checking out the comment section um in due course man and uh yeah because this is this is that time it's the communication time brother yep. what you got for the future what's uh what's 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 coming up in the next few months uh let's see more toys gonna have more releases coming out um once this thing is i need to get out and paint that's the thing that this whole thing is kind of like put a a damper on. I just want to get out and paint. I want to get Reaching. out yeah. pieces. Um, but uh, I have a ton of projects right now going on. We're giving away toys and uh, over at Hype General. Dom. Um, yeah. We'll chuck the link in. We'll chuck the link in at the end, bro. We'll chuck the link in. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, that's it. I'm just going to keep producing and keep moving forward. Fire, fire. So for those guys who you don't know, that link will be in the bottom of this video and we'll have a bunch of links as well telling you all about the Killer Color podcast um, and the live streams. Um, bro, thank you so... And hopefully, uh, in due course, we will actually meet and hang out. How's about that? That'd be fucking cool. Yeah, would, next time you're over here. I don't know the next time I'll be back over there. Might be a while. Yeah, yeah. I think I this... Every, every place I possibly can go over there. <laughs> Better believe it, man. You know, these chemtrails are just going to be like, it's just going to be like a, 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 a knitted sweater by the time the rest of the world have got back oh, on. Yeah. Right when they open that up, forget about it. Forget Everybody. Forget it. <laughs> I, I fear the pub owners, you know what I mean? Straight into the pub, straight into the diners. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be a madhouse. Sket one, the, the king, the don, the, the, the pioneer of graph in all its facets thank you so much for joining us on the killer killer podcast brother dude thank you for having me man much appreciated stay lucky people wherever you are make some noises get one and uh yeah man thanks for joining us uh don't forget to share subscribe hit the bell do not sleep i repeat do not sleep on my repeat stay lucky people peace all right peace